0: Hey everyone, this is Travis again. A real quick note, I've got a couple of people who I've been talking to in the last week who were rather surprised to discover that we're a very small creative team putting this together, and that your support through kind words, through buying our merchandise, joining our Patreon team, really does make a difference. The real reason I'm trying to talk to you today and before the show and interrupt you is to tell you that I really am replying to your tweets and messages personally, and I read your reviews, and we want you to know that we appreciate you, and that you know, you're helping all of us by making this show grow and allowing us to do bigger and better things with each episode. Uh, like, for instance, we recorded a 40 40- person choir for select tracks that'll be coming up and some of our battle themes in the next uh, episodes coming very shortly and that is insane I, I like I was directing them over like a skype like thing anyway it, it was an experience that was a huge surprise that we had that opportunity and it was largely in part to you listeners, so thank you for that. Another thing I really wanted to bring up is that the artwork for the previous week's episode, Rest, in which you've got Sister Caverns Fall being uh, buried by the team, was actually featured in Spectrum Fantastic Arts, which is a book that comes out yearly that promotes fantastic arts and provides an annual showcase for contemporary artists. These are literally the top artists in the world, and Alan Morris, who uh, illustrated the piece, is also ecstatic to to make it into Spectrum and it's a huge honor and privilege so thank you for listening, thank you for supporting us and encouraging us to make these crazy pieces of artwork that are fantastically unique. The most important way that we've been able to do what we've been able to do is because of word of mouth people telling other people about our show a personal recommendation is the most powerful thing you can do telling someone about our show helps us reach new heights and in turn allows us to make a better show So on that topic, if you know someone today who might be interested in our show, please tell them about us and help not only introduce them to our creepy fantasy adventures, but maybe to podcasting in general. On a similar note, some of you don't know this, but we actually make other fiction podcasts. If you look up Fool and Scholar Productions, you can find hours of content with uh, myself and many of the same voice actors, like our show The White Vault, which has just returned for its third season. The White Vault is an arctic horror podcast where scientists go to Svalbard to discover what's lurking beneath the ice. The other show I wanted to recommend is uh, a friend of ours. They're called The Lucky Die Podcast. The Lucky Die is an apocalyptic fantasy Dungeons & Dragons podcast where the world is quite literally coming to an end, or so it seems. Can our heroes prevent this from happening? I guess we're about to find out. The Lucky Dye's DM is the very same person who plays Rowena, so if you enjoy hearing our bard, you will definitely enjoy as she brings an entire world to life. Hem, otherwise known as Volley, is also the narrator for the White Vault podcast. So please consider checking out either of these two great shows, The Lucky Die or The White Vault, and most importantly, please consider introducing a friend to Dark Dice. Thank you again so much, and get ready to gamble your sanity. Do you seek him? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago, a story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, the team set off from Ilmutter's hope to find the town's missing children. Instead, something else found them with the first of their number slain by a friendly blade, can they endure the trials to come? Will the team's resolve hold up? Will odds roll in their favor? Fear the strangers in your midst. Never play games of fate. Dark Dice, Chapter 8, The Eternal Vigil. As the funeral concluded, and the body of their companion was buried, the team, still shaken from the recent turn of events, stood in the face of the dark tunnel beyond the Great Gateway, none daring to take the first step.
1: I'll go first.
0: Soren Arkwright, the human ranger, lit one of his torches and slowly proceeded down the hallway, followed by the young dwarven bard Rowena Granitepike, a sense of guilt and defeat plainly visible on her face. Father Westpike, the old dwarven cleric of Pelor, Filgia of Zarketh, the tiefling druid witch of the wilds, and lastly Ayas Inskeep, a tiefling assassin-turned-father, followed closely behind. While Soren watched the hallway ahead, the rest of the team could not help but unconsciously keep their eyes on Rowena, fearful that her sanity might break again at any moment. However, eight paces in, a muted pop at Soren's ears, followed by a quick mechanic. The gate began to quickly close, forcing the team to rush inside. But in the same instance, a thin-bladed wire rushed toward them from somewhere deep within the hallway, forcing them to make a dexterity save to avoid being sliced open. The wire cut through Soren's legs, tipping him prone in an instant, then cutting into chest height at Father West and Marina, knocking them down. Only Philgia seemed to avoid the cruel machination, as she had just ducked to pick up a copper piece the blade only cutting lightly into her horns.
2: I just bent down like, oh, a nickel!
0: As the wire reached the back of the group, it caught Ayas, biting deep into his legs, cutting all the way to the (laughs) bottom, crippling him.
3: Great fox! Is everyone alright? No. No? Uh, Just so you know, everyone, I've only got two hit points left.
2: Rowena has that, that skill that can heal everyone, right?
4: Yes. No, it is. I... Would you please... I have the prayer of healing.
2: Would that be in order now? My damn horns almost got knocked off my head.
4: It is much in order right now, but it does take some time and we are stuck in this cave for now. So I ask everybody to be on the lookout while I perform the ritual. Sixteen, Lord of Light, please bring your healing grace to all of us mere servants.
0: Father Westpike, bleeding profusely, began to pray to Pelor, the Lord of Light, for healing. The room itself began to light up as the wounds on each party member began to glow with the warmth and light of Pelor. Muscles weaving, bones reforming, and flesh mending back together all at once.
5: Alright, crazy, so you're all back to... Almost full. Just a flesh wound.
0: I've had worse. Continuing on, the path descended into the darkness, stretching out as far as their vision would allow. Though the passage remained roughly ten meters in diameter... Uh, okay, before you guys say anything, I started writing all this out on meters originally. Halfway through, I kind of realized...
3: That's how rockets blow up, you know. I mean, that's how ritual spells
0: go wrong. Though the hallway remained roughly 30 feet in diameter, it felt sparse, apart from the occasional spiderweb or puddle. Ias continued to scan for traps at every step for the next three minutes or so of cautious travel, aided only by the shifting flames of Soren's torch. Hmm. This tiles may be a bit fishy. Nope,
3: never mind maybe this wall nope there's something up ahead, a doorway it's open, maybe ten feet tall it's a fancy stone frame and and I can hear the quiet sounds of flowing water on the other side going to really make sure it's not trapped this time
5: keep your eyes open Wade and no trap is going to be able to hide and body inspiration
3: cool, thanks, so uh, I think generally sweep through and what we can see of the room. Sixteen.
0: A tense few moments passed as Ayas vanished into the darkness of the doorway alone. In the echo of the main passage, a muted clink was followed by a light dragging noise, only audible to Rowena's passive perception.
5: So, um, what do you see in there? Are you alright?
0: Uh, one sec.
3: Yeah. Okay, all clear. There's a big fountain. Someone ought to check to see if it's water or not, because you never know in this place. There's some braziers, there's some cloth and mannequins, and uh, yeah, it's a clothes shop, basically, up, up the other end. And the door is on the other side. I, I can't see any traps
0: or anything like that, though. The team passed the archway into a room roughly thirty feet in all dimensions. They were all immediately relieved to attribute the sounds of water to a small stone fountain next to the entrance, its face, inlaid with elven patterning, hewn into the stone wall of the room. The room itself was lined with metal braziers and six massive stone columns which bore intricate carvings. The walls and even the ground itself seemed to have been marked with intricate descriptions and imagery that almost seemed to dance in the firelight. The room contained two wooden desks, one wooden chair, three mannequins, a dresser, and a pile of decaying fabrics in the far corner, with no enemies. On the far wall was the room's only other door, but it was difficult to make out from this distance.
4: What is the purpose of this room? Is it an uh, entrance hall or some sort?
0: Search may. The team could try to find out more with a knowledge history check.
4: It looks like a, a room
1: where people would sleep. The pile of things in the corner are a mixture of fabrics and bedrolls. Clothing, perhaps. Some
4: former inhabitants. So this is the place they go to rest between working their evil rituals down there.
5: There are large murals on the side walls and six large pillars, likely full of some sort of information. They are inscribed. Um, I'm going to sort them out. The left wall first. A mural depicts two figures battling a horde of monsters? Yeah, they're rising from the depths below. Both figures have been defaced and various old phrases are carved into the wall in Old Elvish. A single intentional caption is carved above all that, like really deliberately. It seems hardest to say aloud, so regardless, I'll say it in translation. Um, this is the resting place of Kael Peris and Loriac They're like twin shields of Mithril, I think. Enemies of darkness, the eternal protectors. They may be blessed with the strength of the gods during their eternal vigil. See, there's graffiti carved over it as well, and it's also in Old Elvish. And that kind of roughly translates to... Um, <clears throat> shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! When does eternity cease? All shall join us in damnation! You know, the good stuff.
4: Cool. I feel like I recognise the
5: names. Uh, It's the names from those two statues outside. I think they're them. And this is clearly when they've been laid to rest, this place.
1: I'll check the opposite wall. Uh, The mural on this side wall depicts what I believe to be deities. The dragon god Bahamut, or maybe Io, various elven deities. The uh, Morden Salmon, the giant god. A few celestials, and the legions of hell battling a common foe, the nameless god. How do you know it's the nameless god? What, What does it look like? Well, it's mostly been chiseled away, defaced, but what's left looks like a giant maw... Also, it's labeled in Elvish.
2: I thought only Rowena could read Elvish.
1: Oh, well, see, it's coming back to me. (coughs) And I I didn't see that I had it under my list of languages earlier. (coughs) Anyway, it reads, The gods align to cast out the Nameless One. However, the Nameless God itself has been defaced, chiseled away with a single repeating phrase in Old Elvish. Awaken, my lord.
3: So, the fountain. Can someone check to see if that is actually water before I go and have a bath?
2: I'll do this uh, finger-dipping test thing. Oh, wow, it's actually very fresh water. It's a continuous stream like a traditional dwarvish fountain.
5: It seems to be really fresh
4: water. Even the Doors of Evil have to drink water, I guess. Wait a moment. Wait a moment. I'm going to search the pillars for any mentions of Pelor. But I do not speak Alvin. so... Wait, one of these is in incestu- Celestial. It, it depicts Pellor. Many of his prayers are present and depictions of him. I am able to feel his presence. Perhaps this place is not as accursed as the rest of this world. As the rest of this plane. We are quite possibly in a holy place right now. What's it say? Okay, so one of the six pillars is a Celestial pillar to Pelor. It speaks of his praise and how he, shall, how he shall guard this place. It also mentions Ferrati, the Weaver of Dreams. The imagery shows a great battle raging. The God of Light and the Goddess of Dreams craft a pocket dimension to contain a nameless evil. All right. I take a knee in front of the pillar and I pray to pillar to guide Sister Cameron's to heavenly places that she deserves. And I lay her holy symbol here to stay until I re- come back. In case I ever make it back.
2: Okay, this pillar is in an infernal. It shows and describes a nameless evil being unleashed from the abyss and the legions of the nine hell battling to contain it. The blood war, the eternal battle between the demons of the abyss and the demons of the nine hells was imbalanced and... and the battle gets dangerously close to the material plane. The lord of hell himself, Asmodeus... ...requested aid from his mortal enemies. By the saints, I see little
4: demons fighting alongside the armies of Pelor, fighting with him.
3: Okay, I'm going to stop my little handbath and check one of these out, and... Oh, this one is dwarven. The greatest dwarven crafters, aided by the Mordinzamen, who obviously don't exist, imbue great arches, a bastion and a giant gateway with powerful runes. Yeah, that gate looks kind of familiar... Well, I don't read giant, I double-checked, but I can get the gist of this one. It
1: shows giants building great tunnels, arches, and a, a castle or bastion to seal the nameless god using some kind of magic stones that limit its power. The next one is in Draconic. The first dragons aid the Nine Hells in the battle against the Nameless God, pushing it through the gateway, past the stones, and into a prison of sorts.
2: The final pillar is in Old Elvish, but it is also very much defaced. Corellon Larathian, Lolth, Labellas Enoreth, and the Allshadow are in it and it looks like they're putting the Nameless God to sleep somehow. There seems to be two elves left behind to guard the big gate.
1: So, on the floor here, I'm just uh, feeling around, with my face very, very close to the ground. Uh, The floor is covered in notches, uh, tallies, each adding to five. They're incredibly small, very, very small, but they cover the surface of the floor in its entirety. Uh, I don't see any sort of visual pattern to them, it just... Looks
4: like somebody's been marking time in here. Do you think these are days? I'm looking at the stonework. Dwarf, all that stuff. Nineteen. Looking at the age between the strikes section, it seems like weak counters, and they are very, very small. Looks like an incredibly long amount of time was spent in here. Willingly.
5: The door on the far wall appears to be warped and twisted beyond its frame. The handle is... Uh... It looks already warm, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of keyhole. I'm... And above it, there's a freeze. scratch. I'm going scratch, to... Scratch into the door. Uh, sorry, I swap.
3: Yeah, I'm going to check out all the clothes and bedrolls and things, see if there's
0: anything of interest. I has passed the closest mannequin of the three. It wore a robe that might have once been elegant, but under the layers of spiderwebs, the moth-eaten garment showed significant signs of decay.
3: Just before I, uh, I keep going... Father Westpike, could you come and join? Because uh, usually when I go off and look at things, something stabs me. That is a very good
4: point, yes. Yes, I would gladly help you.
3: Okay, let's see. I see some well-used bedrolls, some different types of clothing that have been thrown on the floor. They're all very fine quality, but they've seen too much decay to be of value. One or two things are maybe salvageable, the silk ones in particular, sleeping clothes. Might look good on you, Father Westpike. Probably not my
4: size. Everything seems to be in
3: pairs, though. You're right. Although the sizes are slightly different. Maybe two different people's clothes? So, Ayas, you claim
4: you don't like the gods, yet you wield their power. That's a random segue. Well, either you wield their power or you stole it. The way you boom your voice, it's a known spell for the, the wizards
3: of gods. That's news to me. Hmm. This child we're looking for. Your son, sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, Baron. Where did you meet him for the first time? I think you've long suspected. I was escaping your friends and he helped me get out of Strathman's hold. What are you going to do about it, old man?
4: If you think I am a friend of the Cordalum, you do not know my
3: history. I only know what I heard. You're a Westpike and you're related to Rowena, who's part of the Cordalum. Do you know me by name? Nope. You simply know me by my last name. I know what I heard when you were talking to your little murderess friend back there. Please, don't be cruel. I promise you... I like her. She's okay, but, you know... I can promise you, I don't know what the court did to you. I know they
4: trade in slaves and other such things, so I can only imagine what torturous things you've experienced at their hands. But do know that the two of us, we are not on friendly terms with them. I am actively working to undo some of the damage they've done to my hometown. That is the only reason I am not with my own son and daughter, and my wife.
3: Okay. That's, I believe, your story. I'm not asking for your trust.
4: Just that you don't distrust us on the false idea that we work
3: with the court on them.
4: We do not, do not approve of their methods. I do not approve of their doings, but... While I, don't, okay. while I don't seek their downfall as a whole, I seek the relinquishment of my hometown, of my home city, Westman's Hold.
3: Okay. You don't have my distrust, but you don't have my trust either.
4: I can't ask for more. I hope that we find your son soon.
3: Thank you.
2: Soren, what are you doing?
1: I'm reading the, uh, the doorway's inscription. It is in a language I've seen a few times before. He hungers for you. He shall never be whole. Do you seek him? You know, I'm starting to see this everywhere we go.
5: Starting to see what?
1: It's just that same phrase the Silent One seems to love
0: so much. Do you seek him? And some other gibberish. Soren, whose sanity had already been significantly damaged was gently pushed beyond the tipping point into the edge of madness. Whoa, and, uh, and a bit more,
1: it seems. A mural is appearing above the stone. Warped figures taking a knife to their own hand. Blood flowing from their hands onto a door, seeping into the ground, feeding the void below.
5: I don't see anything.
1: The door is opening. The mural is moving the small humanoids are being led by larger warped figures with distorted proportions they uh, they are carrying knives painting the mural feeding the massive void beneath with black white and red i'm i'm going to try the handle of the door it's it's cold metal it won't budge the door has warped and d- twisted in its frame. Perhaps we need to give something to it? Feed it?
5: Um, Soren, are you feeling okay? You look a bit, you know...
1: I'm... Let me try the handle again. <clears throat> it won't move. I'm willing to give an offering. Freely.
3: So, we've looked at the clothes... Found some nice linens, a really nice pair of men's knickers, elf-sized, but that's about it. No money, but I've got a crowbar, and we should probably try that before making offerings or sacrifices or whatever to a fucking door.
5: I think that sounds very agreeable, but I don't think the door even fits the frame. I'm not sure we could squeeze it in.
4: We should probably check the desks before we go down there. Maybe there's a map or something of the tunnels deep below. Oh, great.
3: You can have my hammer as well, then.
4: Has the door kind of expanded due to the natural effects, or does it look like unnatural, how the door is fitting in there?
2: It's really fucking old, and the wood itself is white. It comes from a tree I cannot easily identify. I'm
5: going to take an educated guess here and say this is unnatural.
1: All
2: right.
5: Wait, how uh, how sneaky do you want to be? Although we just want to try and barrel through, because I might be
4: able to blow it apart. Let's not be too loud, but again, let me go. Let me go through these desks first. Maybe we can find some information about the cult of the unnamed... uh, the silent clan. And I'm starting to go through one of the two desks.
3: I'll go through the other one then with you. Hmm, Sturdy, but worn. Fairly nice craft. I said we should look
4: inside of them.
3: I'll look inside.
4: Eighteen. Ooh, a moth. I guess I'm looking for anything map-like.
0: Ah. Father Westbrook Ah. got dust in his eyes and was unable to see anything for a moment. Ayas noted that any papers had long since degraded into dust, but he was able to locate a hidden compartment with a small pewter figure of an elven soldier.
3: While he's he's got dust in his eyes, I'm going to use my sleight of hand, hopefully, to pull out a certain map that I'm carrying and make it look like I found it. Twenty-four. Ayas was confident that no one saw him pull out the cursed map.
4: Moths! Get out of here! Good God!
3: I uh, I found this. It was in a hidden compartment along with this pewter soldier. What is that? It looks like a map. Uh, I don't really like it, but here,
0: see if you can make anything of it.
4: Alright. Oh,
0: God. Did Father Westpike look? Yes, I start going through the map. Father Westpike saw what he felt might be a map, moving in slow motion. Places he'd never seen, illogical locales and creatures, a language entirely alien to him and he felt unsettled, requiring him to roll a sanity saving throw. Oh, You bastard!
4: Ah, natural 20, I can deal with it.
0: Perhaps it was merely a trick of the torchlight, but beyond being very generally unsettling, he was able to focus on its features. A great forest that almost appeared to shift and move across the map as he stared at it. But it was not any location he was familiar with, nor could he identify any of the symbology.
4: Uh, I I shakily, like, uh, roll it back up. Uh, This does not seem to be of this cave. Creepy piece of paper. Seems magical. Probably cursed with uh, whatever the unnamed goddess. Uh, I shall keep it and uh, destroy it at a holy place.
0: Actually, I'd kind of like it back. Meanwhile, on the other side of the room, Soren Arkwright had pulled out a dagger and pressed his face to the door, smiling slightly. He watched curiously as the dagger seemed to bleed into the door, which... Groaned and creaked, but after a few moments, it stopped adjusting back into position. Partly satiated by the dagger, but not entirely reformed, craving more.
5: What did you do?
1: Oh, it was just hungry.
5: As uh, uh, for what? If you say blood, so help me God, I'm gonna throw up.
1: I would suggest you grab a bucket. It does appear to be a blood lock of some sort, and my dagger seems to have done the trick.
5: Do you want to give it another
1: try? Still needs a bit more.
5: I put my hand out to
1: him. Is anyone actively wounded at the moment? Do we have actively already existing blood?
5: No, my cousin made sure that we were all fine, but unfortunately,
3: I've I've still got five hit points. Damn! I actually think Aias has a little bit of limits, If I remember correctly.
0: Yep, I do. Everyone was healed above and beyond. I think. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope. Oh, sorry. You're. He's pointing at a whiteboard behind him for those of. You who can't see this. Oh yeah, sorry.
5: For this audio podcast.
0: That we're seeing right now in this audio podcast. He's smiling and pointing to his 18 of 24 health on a whiteboard that he has in the video.
1: Aias, would you mind sensuously gyrating your wound against this door for me?
0: Aias nodded for the audio podcast. I've oh, had worse? Aias stepped forward and placed his injured hand on the door, and all at once began to feel weak. He lost six health as the blood was physically pulled from his hand and the door groaned and creaked in delight. Ias's mental bulwark cracked ever so slightly as he was brought back to his days with a clodalum. The handle, now warm to the touch, wiggled ever so lightly under Soren's hand. That should do it. Hales, please! I'm
4: going to cure wounds, Ias. May the Lord of Light seal your wounds and give you strength to overcome your afflictions. Summon health recovered. Thank you. Before we open the door and go to the next room, you said you found a statue in one of the desks in a hidden compartment? Maybe the other desk
3: has one as well? Oh, right, the uh, special compartment, yeah.
4: Can you pass me the little soldiery
5: dude? Um, I want to see if I recognise that from, like, any any tales of ye olden times.
4: I, by the way, I'm just running on the assumption that it's one of the two people.
5: Me too, but I kind of want to make sure. 19. Actually, no... This is actually something given to the parents of, like, elven soldiers for when they first joined the military. I ask how many of these pairs of clothing did you say there are? You say common pairs?
3: Yeah, one big and one smaller, two pairs.
5: the this, um, this sort of things given to, like, the parents of kids who just joined the army and such, like, you wouldn't keep your own.
3: Unless you're really vain.
4: Yeah. I think the assumption here is that this is the statue of the two people, of uh, Calparis and Loriac Luri- that their That's child not- blo- joined the army. But that may be a strange leap Because we don't know if this desk belongs in here Or was brought here by the by the followers of the Nameless God
3: Let me see if I can find that hidden compartment on the other desk Seeing as I know where it is on the first desk Bugger no, Nothing here, but right. it was a matching desk, if that helps Ooh.
5: Lots of pairs in here
3: Two pairs of clothing huh. I don't really understand what's going on
5: Little and large looks likely to be male and female, maybe I don't know, but we're wasting time. That
3: door's the only way to go, so we should go. We should. Who's opening the door?
5: Uh, perhaps I should go first? No. I mean, well, no offence, but... You are
4: not going first.
5: I am the strongest, smartest, the most armored person here.
4: Oh, there is a there is a forceful shove on you when you say that.
5: <laughs> I playfully dodge it. It's like, but it's just, it's true. It's blunt on it's honest, but it's
3: true. I will pound you into the ground when we're done with this thing. What you dwarven cousins do in your own time is up to you. Who's going first? Is it Vulgir or is it Sorin? Or is it actually going to be that murderess? Or Father Westbike? I open it
1: while people are being shoved.
0: Sorin touched the warm handle and pushed open the door, which creaked only slightly. He found himself at the top of a wide stone staircase overlooking a vast room. A central 60-foot-long pathway was clearly marked by white-blue flames on both sides, and the path led to a massive stone archway on the far end. And while the walls and floor of the room beyond the faint light of the torches was difficult to make out, successive metal racks were visible next to each torch. Each of the six racks were shaped differently, and draped, or wrapped around each successive rack, were humanoid shapes. At the far end of the room, the archway was illuminated by six torches, but from this distance not much more was visible. The room smelled strongly of sterile cleaning fluids and powerful chemicals, a welcome change from the rot that had assailed the team's nostrils.
5: Said there were humanoid figures on these racks?
0: Rowena had difficulty seeing from her vantage behind Soren and Filgia.
5: Are we talking like torture rack racks, or just racks? What are you guys seeing up there? Uh,
2: Similar to mannequin-style racks. Made of metal, though, as opposed to figurines.
5: Yeah, I'll sneak forward a little bit. Follow me, guys. Body
1: system. Mm hmm. Gonna sweep for blade traps on the way, but yes.
0: Ayas and Sorin silently looked for traps, but none were on their path. The first was a simple rack with a dark green cloak draped over it. Fastened to the cloak was a leathery parchment with two words scrawled on it in elvish. I'm sorry.
5: Walk past it. Nope. Not even a. Nope. Walk past it. Nope. Nope.
0: The next rack held a full set of gleaming armor a short sword sheathed at its side. On the third rack was draped a pale leather coat and pantset, accompanied by what was either a mask or a cap crown with dark locks. The next was very intricate, a complexion of leathery objects that appeared to have been sewn together in the rough form of a grotesque humanoid. The figure was poised in a manner implying worship, in the direction of the far door. It was very lifelike in the pose, as if it was a flayed figure. The second-to-last rack held a series of dark sinews that formed the shape of a humanoid as well. The expression, one of sheer terror, was accompanied by the addition of eyeballs. The figure was also posed in a manner implying worship in the direction of the far door. The final rack displayed an immaculate set of bones that appeared somewhat distorted. While the figure was vaguely humanoid, something had clearly warped its proportions, elongating the limbs, figures, feet, and teeth. This, too, was affixed in a gesture of worship.
5: It seems as if they're going from lathe to dead. It's like scanning down the degrees of grossness to finally getting to a skeleton.
0: Rowena was suddenly startled as a figure instantly materialized in front of her. An elven woman garbed in elegant silks with dark hair, numerous piercings and striking facial tattoos, which stared back at her with a scared expression plain on her face. She spoke in old elvish...
6: Sai, I, C, O.
0: Which Rowena knew to mean.
5: Who are you? Um, I'm Rowena. These are my companions.
0: Rowena replied in Elvish.
5: What are you doing here? We're looking for this one's kid, and I'll point at IS.
4: I'm staring, hoping to try to understand this, the words. I understand IS and the pointing. Am I
1: able to recognize her tattoos in any way? Uh, that's a 12 on a history check. And... They seem strangely familiar, but I'm not sure where I can place them.
6: Others passed through with children, but they were cruel. They passed through the archway behind me. I could help you pass, if you could but remove that which binds me to this plane. Sorry.
5: Is that supposed to be you? And I pointed at the six figurines.
6: Yes, they are all me. What
5: are you sorry for?
6: I don't wish to impose upon you. The men who passed here seemed evil. And you seem not so. You speak with me as an equal, unlike them. They laughed at my faith and boasted that they could do worse if I didn't get out of their way.
0: The spirit motioned to the six racks again. The team who dared glanced noticed that the arch behind her. Similar to the previous one, had six blue torches, casting light on ancient characters which made up a distinctive and unique set of runes in draconic above. The hideous gargoyles that made up the archway itself were larger than the ones of the previous arch, and it lacked the two statues on either side, replaced instead with two cycloptic gargoyles, physically woven into the archway, their hands seemingly holding up the top of the arch, which flattened to accommodate the ceiling. The double doors in the middle, crafted from two fine pieces of massive, gnarled white wood, bore an inscription.
5: I'll distract her, you guys, like, break through the doors. Um, how would- uh, What do we need to do to
6: free you? Destroy that which holds me here. These pieces are what's left of my mortal coil, painful reminders of my final moments of torture. They are all I remember of life, and they bind me to this plane, preventing from rest. I've been here for longer than I care to estimate, alone with nothing but my thoughts. I know not what is real anymore, but I've never imagined conversations with a dwarf woman before, much less one so charming.
5: Are you killed Paris
6: those names sound familiar. Perhaps I've been left here for so long. I feel that I am probably the owner of one such name.
4: At this point, I'm going to tap the shoulder of uh, Rowena and go, what is she saying? What is going on?
5: She's saying she's scared and confused. She's been here for a very long time. Those are supposed to be the remnants of her... Multiple body she's saying if we free her from this plane i think destroy those possibly then she'll help us get through but i'm not sure if we have the time
2: I- Yaws, what are you doing
3: i'm just looking at those um six you know the six racks and just looking around in general seeing if i can see anything but part of me wants to find a hiding place but the room's too sparse and i'm not sure what's in that magical darkness beyond the lights Right, so I'm just going to get into a defensive position and probably move behind one of the, uh, one of the racks. I'd just
1: like to ask, uh, the woman, you said that the other people, the cruel ones, they passed right by you. You also say that you can help us follow them. How did they get through?
6: They pushed the door open.
1: Can we not just push the door open?
6: No. No, you can't. You will need my help.
1: How were they able to do it without your help?
6: I'm not sure.
1: I incite that with an 18, and tell my fellow travelers in common she seems terrified and is trying to suddenly lie about the door. She
4: very desperately wants our help. Rowena, translate what's going on. I uh, catch him up roughly. sure doesn't she just want us to free her? I am assuming we are probably the first people in many centers to come through here that will act- interact with her. Doesn't she simply want to be freed? She's... That does seem to
1: be her goal, for us to free her.
4: I look at the new door, the new archway. Is this the same white-woofed wood as the other one? 21 with a roll on perception. The door isn't warped. The wood is gnarled, but held up better than the blood door. Marks on the front door suggest that it simply pushes open. Wait, the gargoyle statues appear to have seams around their massive arm things I would probably think that they perhaps they just held open the door but they might also cause the ceiling above to partially collapse not necessarily blocking the door but damaging those who are beneath it And there is an inscription carved at the door as well in infernal does anybody know what it says he
1: sees you without sight do you seek him?
5: No, not this shit again.
4: Again, implying it never stopped. Uh, c- Can somebody ask her if uh, all these things are her belonging, including that spectacular sword?
5: There's, she said that was all part of her. The remains of her body, or whatever.
4: Uh, I, I'm i getting a, a feeling of the sort that it might be quite powerful. Can you ask her?
5: My cousin wants to know if we might borrow your sword or if it's keep new here as well.
6: It has been cursed. ...and no longer acts in the defense of the greater good, so it too must be destroyed.
5: I relay that back.
4: Oh, uh, is she a previous cleric or paladin or any sort of sorts?
6: I translate. I don't remember. I remember being a guardian of... uh, of some kind. I don't know if I protected this place from something or something from this place. These were my most important possessions in life as a
5: guardian... They are her things, but um, she said she thought she was some sort of guardian, but she can't be sure. She can't remember. There should be two of them.
4: Maybe he is ahead? (laughs) Beyond the doorway? Perhaps. I look to Soren. Do do you think we should just free her? Get passage through the door? I have doubts.
1: (laughs) I'd like to ask her another question. What are you so afraid of?
6: Being left alone. Please. I don't want to be here anymore. You seem f- familiar do we?
1: You, who have been alone for so long, why does it scare you to be alone still?
6: Because you've only just been here mere moments, and the thought of being alone again.
1: Um,
5: what would it take to free you? I mean, you said destroy that stuff, but it's all magic. Magical items are notoriously difficult to destroy.
6: It is my bones, my flesh, my body, my cloak, my armour, and my sword.
5: But your soul, there's magic. That's really hard to destroy. Will these flames do it? And I'll point at the six hell flames surrounding whatever the hell it is, uh, the doorway.
6: I'm not sure, but you can certainly try. Please try.
5: Are you going to attack us if we start setting fire to your stuff?
6: No, you would be helping me.
5: Then what will? I'm
6: not sure.
5: I saw one place curses on my body while I was being tortured. What do you guys, uh, back in Commons, like, what do you guys want to do?
3: She seems tortured. I want to free her. She was also... Yeah, she may have been placed here to make sure that the uh, whatever's down there don't get out for all of this eternity. I agree. But if she used to serve that purpose, she probably
4: doesn't anymore. She doesn't even know what she's doing here. I, I, I don't know the power of the soul, maybe it's just her presence is enough to keep the thing down, but I feel like that would be uh, cruel to bind somebody.
1: Ias's son is in danger. Do we really have time for this?
5: Maybe we should press on, and then we should assess when we get down there. Like, if we find your kid and things look honky dory then we can free her on the way back. But until we have more information, we just don't know. I agree. If we free her, if we do it on the way back, it will make no difference for her. She's been here for thousands of... hundreds... a lot of time, right? Just a lot of time. Another couple of
2: hours probably won't hurt her. I'm not entirely sure what we are talking to here. But I can sense that she means us no harm. We should try to help her.
5: Also a fair point.
3: Again, my son is in danger right now. We can come back for her because she's already dead. She can deal with waiting a little bit longer because the worst thing that will happen to her is some hurt feelings on her way to oblivion. Because that's where she's going after we unbind her.
1: I'm not entirely sure what we're talking to here. The tattoos on her face, I, I can't stop looking at them. They look like the three holes in the Silent One's face. It's more of a feeling than a direct comparison, but I, I don't trust her.
4: You think this is an illusion of
3: the Silent One? Won't be the first time.
6: You'll not help me. We'll help you on the way
5: back. I promise.
6: You seem like a kind soul. An honest soul. I trust you. Please do return and free me from this place.
0: The spirit turned around and grew brighter and brighter, until it vanished in a blinding flash of light. The doors began to slowly creak open, and noticeably, above, the gargoyles remained motionless. The team remained motionless as well for a few moments, straining their eyes in the darkness ahead and around them for any signs of ghosts or traps, but there were none. After a few moments more, they ventured through the great gate casting strange shadows as they passed beyond. Dark Dice, Chapter 8, The Eternal Vigil. Starring David Alt as Iasinskeep, Innskeep, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Ethor Vithjarson as Father Sindri Westpike, Kessie Rulineke as Phil of Zarketh, Hem Cleveland as Rowena Granite Pike, and Travis Vengroff as the Game Master. This episode also features Charlotte Norup as the Ghost of Loriac, this episode was edited by Sarah Baczynski and Marissa Ewing, with sound design by Travis Vengroff, mixed and mastered by Marissa Ewing. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening.